Stay tuned into the FedEx Cup through the PGA Tour app, especially this time of year. You're going to want to keep a close eye on the projected standings. Um, we see it on the leaderboard a lot, but it's good to see it shot by shot uh, on the FedEx Cup tab. Make sure you're following along on the PGA Tour app. And if you've got a golf trip remaining this year, make sure to swing by OGO.com. That's O-G-I-O.com. Check out all the ridiculous travel bags, golf bags, suitcases that they have. It's a pretty impressive arsenal. We're going to talk a bit more about this later on. For now, let's get to Justin Thomas. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, joined today for a record third time, first player to ever be on three times. Uh, winner of the 2017 PGA Championship, Dell Technologies, and yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to go through all those. JT, what's happening? What's going on? Uh, welcome back. We made a, we made a rule that uh, after so after the first time you came on, I said you're not allowed back on until you win. So you won the CIMB that year. And then the next time I said you're not allowed back on until you win a major. So congrats on sneaking that in. Thank you. I don't honestly remember you saying that, but I'll I'll go with it. That's totally cool. I might have actually made that up. I I thought I'm pretty I think sure you I said did. that. I'm the pretty first, sure. The, the first one you, it was true that you wouldn't have me on until I won. But the major thing, I'm not I'm not fully hopping on that bandwagon yet. No one's gonna go back and listen. So you can't. True. You just won't let me have anything. Just let me have <laughs> one thing. But uh, so how much has life changed since the last podcast we did? Wow, it's um, it's a lot, a lot different. Uh, just a lot, a lot busier more than anything, you know. Just a lot of a, a lot more obligations, or I mean, obviously for good reason. I obviously would would take. I am happy to be doing them versus not, because that means that you know I've played better. But um, it's just it's been a lot, a bit of an adjustment in terms of managing my time and and just kind of uh, learning you know, some stuff to do versus not stuff to do. But at the end of the day, I just need to make sure that I'm ready to, uh, you know, to go tee it up come Thursday. So when we went out in uh, Jacksonville this, this spring, you, uh, we, it was like a Saturday night and I, I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised at how many times people came up to you asking for pictures and stuff, just because golfers in general can kind of fly a bit more under the radar than most professional athletes can has has does that happening even more often than what's happening back in may or is it uh like compare that to like a year ago how much has that kind of part of your fame level changed yeah it's definitely changed a lot it's it's more just kind of the the random random stuff or random places that i wouldn't really expect um i mean i'm still not you know not near to the level of a lot of guys but that's the big thing is it's so i mean you really not dedicated, but a, a pretty true fan or, or pretty um, knowledgeable of what the person looks like if you recognize them and without their golf clothes on, you know, I mean, it's with us without hats on or, or just T-shirts and stuff like that. It's it's like recognizing, um, you know, it's hard to see, know what a hockey player looks like or a football player. It's, it's just out of their attire. So 
it's definitely changed. I mean, I'm definitely getting more recognized, but like I said, I definitely will, will take that over the alternative. You sampled a new caddy in May. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like, is Jimmy's job still safe or what was that experience like having somebody else on the bag? Uh, well, I didn't, I've never won anything with that guy. So <laughs> you were also, you were aiming for bunkers that day. So I think you were sabotaging uh, my caddy career. I don't know. I mean, all I know is that I, I got a couple. I got a couple decent numbers, a couple decent lines that day. But as a whole, um, I think that's why I played so well that week. I was so happy to have Jimmy back on the bag once. <laughs> do anything but play well. You didn't even let me. You let me read one putt, and then you didn't even listen to my this is, advice. This is this is the sign of a bad caddy right here. You're trying to defend yourself so hard instead of. Remember, it's always the caddy's fault. You need to, you, you have to get used to this if you want to be a caddy. It's never the player's fault. I don't want to necessarily be a caddy, but I just need to defend my defend my honor here. So, <laughs> uh, one of the the takeaways I had from that round was just how much you know when you when you are there for like four and a half hours, etc how much you hear from the gallery and the things that people say to you. And I was just blown away by the lack of creativity and the dumb things that people it's say It's unbelievable. To you. It's incredible. I swear people were just saying the word Snapchat to you. That's what. Yeah. That's all they were saying. And yeah. spring break, I mean, do you just get that everywhere you go? Yeah, it's it's... You you hate to say annoying. I mean, but it's just it's um, they just need some new material, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I... I I'm a fan of Barstool Sports. I, I like. I think their stuff's funny. But if I hear, I mean, I'm going to. But just every Saturday, you hear four thousand. What are Saturdays for? And it's like it's just so annoying, you know. But um, it's it's funny. It's like that song you hear on the radio over and over again, and they play it so much that it's made made you not like it. Yeah, it's kind of what it's like. So um, some people definitely can come up with some new material. But at the same time, I'd be fine if they didn't say anything too. <laughs> Do you get any like hope? Hopefully not, because again, I don't want to be lumped in the same vein as any of that stuff. But do you get any like tour sauce calls or ambassador calls? Is that something yeah. that's common? Yeah, uh, I'll definitely get you know probably at least one or or two of those a day. Some form of comment. Um, usually, the I'll, I'll, like a guy. There's always someone out there who's wearing wearing some of your shirts and. And that guy just like I feel like he feels like we're bonding just by having the shirt on. Like like I I feel I should feel obligated to go have a conversation with them. And I'm like, hey man, nice shirt, but that I gotta I have to go hit my shot on number four. So I don't really know what to tell you. Do uh, for that for this one, I'll feel definitely personally responsible. Do you get any grief for your drivers off the deck? Um. Yeah, I will sometimes. Uh. I'm trying to think. Not not crazy amounts, but it's um every once in a while it'll definitely it'll definitely come out. Or if I'm playing with somebody that does it, then they'll give me grief, and it's like, man, I'm like I can do it now. I'm over, I thought I was over this, but that's like you say, people don't forget. So I guess I'm I'm done for. Well, when was the last time you went driver off the deck in a tournament? In a tournament, um. See, it's not over until you do that. You can't. You've been telling me. You've been sending me videos. I thought claiming. I told you. I thought I told you I did it in a tournament. They just didn't get it somewhere. See, that sounds like fake news. It probably is. <laughs> it's like you. I'm just making something up to make myself sound good. I don't know. I. It's just not too often that you even have to hit a driver into a par five. I, it's very rare that a hole is that long. But 
Yeah, we get um, it. You hit it far. That's fine. Yeah, but. that was sorry. That was a humble brag. I, I <laughs> apologize about that. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I just have to prove myself right at some point. My favorite was maybe when you said. Uh, I think it was in Malaysia before you hit driver off the deck. You te- you text me after and you're like, I thought about you before I did this and then went and chunked it. So I, I can't wait until the next time you do it to see- to hear what kind of thoughts are going through your head. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's at this point, it's just kind of a mental barrier. And I feel I feel that I've gotten over it. You know, it's um, the driver change to the, to the to the shallower, deeper face. Uh or to a shallower face and longer face versus the, the shorter and deeper was a big, big change for the driver off the deck game for me. But, you know, once you do it in competition, you can't say much. Um, all right. On a bit more serious note, I want to talk a bit about your major season first, but I, I think that story essentially kind of starts back at the U.S. Open. Um, Saturday 63 uh, was one of the most remarkable rounds of the year, perhaps maybe even in major championship history. It puts you in the final pairing. I want to know how long was that wait between the end of your round Saturday and when you teed off on Sunday? Uh, it was, it, you know, it was a long time, but it wasn't crazy long because I had, I had a lot of media after that day. So, I mean, I, I did all that and I think, I don't, actually, I don't know if I practiced after or not. I may not have, but I mean, it, Staying in the house and, and then having my family there, having Ricky and his family there and his girlfriend, my girlfriend, like we, we had a lot going on, you know, and like we're having dinner, we have breakfast in the morning. So that, and what I enjoyed is that the golf, the coverage started so early. So I, I was, I loved how I could wake up and kind of watch the golf in the morning and check out, you know, some of the pins and stuff. So to me, that wasn't as bad. I've had other instances where, you really have a hard time passing time, but um, I don't know. That one wasn't quite as bad. Did you, I mean, you, you came out and afterwards, I think you said in your press conference, you said you like, you were relatively pleased with the number 75 for how bad you played. Essentially that was like the best number yeah. you could have shot based on yeah. how you played. Did you, what did you, and it's kind of an overarching cheesy question, but like, what did you learn from that experience? Kind of first time being in the final group of a major, you know, just, uh, just still being patient. I think the hardest part or the thing that, that goes so unnoticed about that day is how hard, how much harder it was. I mean, it was, it was blowing pretty hard that day. It was a good, a good 15 mile, 15 to 20 mile an hour wind. And, you know, you could get some gusts up to 25. And I had, I mean, I, I'm not sure how many people watched it or remember I had that chip on four that just short of the green. And I parred one, uh, made a bad bogey on two. And then made a good par on three. And then four, I just short of the green. I chip it up there and it goes to about, eight inches, seven inches of tap in. And then the wind picks up and it blows my ball about five, five feet under the hole and I miss it. So, I mean, that was a huge difference right there. And then I go bogey the next hole. So it's like the, the conditions were really hard. So I think I felt like I had to go out and, and make a lot of birdies still, but I mean, it ended up, I did need to because Brooks went off, but in terms of staying in, staying in the tournament and having a better finish, you know, maybe that second hole, instead of trying to squeeze it, you know, back to that pin, just kind of accepting a, a 10, 15 footer short of the hole. And if I miss it, I make par sort of thing. So, I mean, patience is, is such a oversaid thing by me, I think, but it's, it's just a thing that I continue to get better at and helping. Do you feel like it made a difference for when you were essentially in the same scenario, second to last group a few months later at the PGA? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, the patience part for sure, but it was such a totally different golf course in terms of 
and pars were really good at, at Quail Hollow, and pars weren't great. Um, I mean, they were fine, but they they weren't gaining any ground at um, at Aaron Hills. So, I mean, I knew. I think I started Sunday two back, maybe at um, Quail Hollow. So, I had a feeling that if I could just go out and shoot a couple under, you know, I could go in. Whereas I didn't know what was going to happen at Aaron Hills. So, I, I definitely, in terms of nerves and and just being being calm, being patient, but I mean, Jimmy did a great job with that and keeping me there. Uh, probably a lot better than you would have if you were having for me. So, um, <laughs> it's just so that was you great. can't project that on me. You've never given me the shot. I you know, of all things, I feel confident that I can project that on you. I, <laughs> first, I think throwing a caddy into the ring for the first time in a final group of a major. Um, I think it'd be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I think I would have been dripping sweat onto your grips as I was handing yeah. you the clubs. I, yeah. I, first of all, I don't think you would have let me even hand you the clubs. But True. Uh, um, True. What, and what is, and I find you're at, you're and Jimmy, you're in Jimmy's dynamic kind of interesting in that, you know, he's obviously a veteran caddy. I think he, what he's, is Jimmy 59? Is that how old he is? He, yeah, it sounds right. Um, and that, you know, he, he doesn't say a lot out there, but uh, mm-hmm. you're always looking for that, that combination from a caddy of the guy that knows when to say, like when to say something that you, you need to hear and when to just shut mm-hmm. up. Is there like an example or instance of when he does speak his mind that kind of surprises you or, he, or just like anything he says to pump you up or prep you for a shot? No, I mean, he never says anything to pump me up. I think he knows that I'm, I'm emotion, not emotional, but I'm fiery enough to get pumped up for myself. But, um, he, he just knows what to say, you know, like when I feel like at the best times when I'm playing well and I just can't get anything going, you know, like on, it was easy on this past week on Monday, you know, when I'm, I'm three under through six and I'm, I'm getting lapped. I mean, really I am Jordan's uh, six under through seven and, and leash was, was four under or five under through seven. So it's like, I mean, what, uh, what am I doing out here? You know? And, and I was hitting good shots and I had chances to make more birdies and, um, but he's just like, you know, just, just keep hitting our shots and, you know, good things will happen. We just keep doing what we're doing and the rest will take care of itself sort of thing. So that just kind of keeps me calm and keeps me patient in those situations. Um, so it, back to the PGA, and I got a bunch of stuff to talk about for the PGA, but uh, we chatted earlier in the week. I ran into you and just kind of saw you on the putting green, and I said, I was like, you got you got to love this place. And like your eyes lit up, and you just kind of nodded like, yeah, this, this is the place for me. But you went out and you shot 73 in that first round. Were you just mm-hmm. like chomping at the bit to get back out there? Like, I, I still know this place is perfect for me. Yeah, well, I um, and I, I played, I played pretty well the first day, or I played a lot better than seventy three. I just, I, I mean, I couldn't have got any less out of my round, and it just was one of those days where just kind of things aren't going your way, and and you know, you feel like you, you hit some good putts that just don't go in, or or this and that, and I, I mean, that really was a huge, huge swing in the tournament for me. My my Thursday round, I'm I'm four over. No, I'm three over going into my 17th hole, number eight. I hit the fairway to a back, that kind of that middle-ish, that back middle pin on that little tier. And I'm in the middle of the fairway, and I just flag a, a 52 degree, and I hit it too hard, and it flies the green and goes over the green on the downslope in the rough. I mean, the, just auto bogey. I, I mean, the worst place. If I gave you a ball and said, go put this in a place where I can't get it up and down, you would have put it about right there. And I hit, the, I hit an unbelievable chip to about, 10 feet and I made that and then I birdie nine to shoot two over so that was a huge huge swing whereas if I don't get that up and down on eight 
I mean, nine's a hard hole. Easily could make par, if not bogey. I end up shooting 75, maybe 76. Then, I mean, now instead of trying to get back in contention, I'm just trying to make the cut. And uh, that was a, that was just a, that was a really big swing. I felt like in the tournament for me. And then, I mean, you shot came out and shot 66 on Friday. You're back. You're right back in contention. But the mo- to me again, it's kind of it's kind of a pointless act to separate out your what your best round of that week is. But Saturday, the conditions were absolutely brutal, and you held serve down that final stretch that was playing so tough. That especially those last three holes that day were playing so tough. Did you feel like after getting through that that stretch that the your chances of winning the tournament had changed? Yeah, you know, I think it was. That's just really when I, I now that I'm kind of saying it and thinking about it, that's probably when I felt the most confident I have about winning a tournament or or just felt so calm for what I could have been in that situation because I just didn't feel that Saturday was that difficult. I mean, I knew it was tough, but I just was in so much control of my game. I was in such control of my short game. I was My mental game was probably the best it's ever been. And Jimmy and I just had a great game plan for the course, and we were executing it. We were putting it, the ball where we needed to, and if we – Missed the green. I was getting it up and down. So, although it may have looked like a hard fought, what a uh, two, three under I shoot. I think three under I shot. Um, I really, I just did everything I needed to do and everything I felt like I should have done. So, to me, we, you know, when I got done and everyone's like, you know, it was a great round at a really difficult day. I was like, you know, I felt like I just kind of went around and did my business. So, um, you know, that I guess that was calming about it. Before we break down the final round of the PGA Championship with JT, I want to talk to you guys a bit about OGO. Our friends at OGO, you can be found at OGO.com, O-G-I-O. Uh, I've got the Mutant Travel Bag. I've been using this for my trips. and I, I It's almost unexplainable how much space there is in this bag. I got my bag up to 70 pounds, and I had to pay about 150 pounds worth of uh, extra baggage fees uh, just to how much stuff was able to fit into it. Um, and there's also another bag at Ojo called the Black Ops Savage Travel Bag, and a portion of the proceeds from these purchases support the NS2 program, which helps train and employ veterans. So swing by Ojo.com and check some of these out for yourself. I promise you will be impressed with the products. And then Sunday, you get off to a rough start. You go bunker to bunker to bunker on the first hole and make a twisting about 12-footer to save bogey on that first hole. Was there any panic at all? Was there any sense of like, here we are, this is Sunday at the U.S. Open again? Or were you? was it a totally different reaction? Uh, I mean, and that was about a solid 18, 20-footer I made on one, by oh, the way. Oh, I don't know don't about down. that. It was every it was 100 1000% over 15 feet it was i'm pretty sure it was 18 feet but we don't need to get into that I'm anyways look this up for the record look it up right look it up right now i guarantee you it was over 15 feet but I, anyway i've walked 18 all 18 holes that okay well that's fine we'll give that to you that's fine you won the pga i'll give you however length of putt you made on one Just, you should but be more was, embarrassed that you had an 18 footer on one than you than you no. it was awful I mean I agree the first bunker shot was so easy and it just it was sitting down a little bit but it was like that's perfect for that shot I just need to hit like a chunk and run and I I mean obviously I just bladed it and it was um it was awful and then I mean the next bunker shot was tough already and then I didn't hit it well and that's why it went to whatever feet you want to call it um but that putt was big because I it was at first off, I thought I hit a perfect tee shot, and I ended up going in the bunker. That was a lot. 
that I didn't think was reachable. So that was a little bit of a, a shock, but, um, I mean, I just, the same thing, making bogeys out there were going to happen, but just doubles are so hard to make up. So making that putt on one and then getting it right back on two, uh, was, was helpful. Right. So you birdie two, you birdie seven, the par five, and then you mm-hmm. rolled in a lengthy putt on nine. You go, Oh, you get a nice break on 10, which I heard you describe as that they owed that to you. It's debatable. Oh, that was a ridiculous break. Get out of here. I hit the same. Okay, I hit the same tree the day before, and it went forty yards into the woods to the left. That's when you hit trees. It's supposed to do bad things. When the tree's seven yards off the fairway, my ball was going to be in the edge of the rough. Do you, when you go bowling, do you use bumpers? I don't bowl very often, and I <laughs> suck at it anyway. So, don't don't compare my my breaks in a golf course to bowling. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, if you're expecting that, that's somebody that uses bumpers would expect that tree to knock that in the middle of the fairway. Anyways, beside I, the point. Yeah. The next shot was like from 300 yards, and you went over the green with three wood. Um, yes. You chip up to five feet, and then take me through the the birdie putt. Boy, I, I'm first off. I'm going to start with your length of putts for being a, a knowledgeable golfer are horrendous. How far so was bad. this one now? Eight feet. Oh my god! For sure. Wow! I hope there's shot tracker info for all this because I will go look this up. Oh, that's fine. Uh, okay, please, please look it up. All right, so you got a 25 footer for birdie on 10. <laughs> what? <laughs> Walk me through what happens here. Yeah, after just a just a terrible chip, I um I just was so worried about leaving it below the hole because it was. I mean, it wasn't a tough pin from where I was, but out of that that Bermuda, man, it can come out so different. So I I felt. I was kind of playing against the the coming out really hot to if it got really hot and went past and, and then I end up in at 30 feet past I just kind of tried to you know get something around the hole underneath the hole and then it just came out dead and it was a bad bad chip. So yeah, I have that putt and I called Jimmy in and it was it was kind of a weird read because the first I kind of had it I read it pretty straight and it was one of those you're having a hard time finding something which usually means it is straight. But the grain, that second half of the putt, was going left to right. And it looked like the slope was a little bit too. So we had it read straight to where it was going to go right to left at first. And then it was going to go left to right as, at the end as it lost speed. So I hit it. You know, I tried to hit it a little softer to make sure that grain caught it there at the end. And I usually don't hit my putts very hard anyway from that distance. So it was an easy adjustment for me. But it, it went left and then it just never came right. And um I was baffled first off, but it, as weird as it is, and you probably won't believe me, but I've told everybody this. I mean, when when that ball stopped on the lip, I'm like, there's no way that this doesn't go in. This is going to fall in. It, like, the, the whole green goes this way. The grain, more importantly, is going that way. Like, it's just, it has to drop. And, um, and yeah, I didn't even see it. I, I turned around. I kind of was in shock at first, and then I turned around and I looked at Jimmy, and then as I'm looking at Jimmy, the crowd goes nuts. I turn around and my ball wasn't there, so I was like, "Oh, that's cool, nice four. <laughs> and then the celebrate, and then your, the sauce that you sprayed after that. That's right, yeah, yeah. I I gave a little. That's right, I gave a little tip of the cap, and then I I gave you a little Jordan shrug. <laughs> Is this becoming like your thing now, the shrug? I don't know. It's just a, it's a. I feel like it's a very usable thing you know uh, it's it's not i'm not trying to overdo it it's just like i mean hey sorry my ball went in what am i supposed to do because you were you were like dead serious super like focused that entire round essentially but that was like your your moment that you only moment really where you cracked as far as like laughed or or, or you know broke stride i would think for that entire round is that accurate to say 
Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So then the chip in on 13. Um, you missed left. I, so what were you – I mean, by your estimation, probably 60 yards away. I'd say you're like two yards <laughs> off the green. Uh, yes. Is that – or is, is that a chip you're even thinking about holding at any point? Not really. And, I mean, uh, I've – I wish that everybody that was watching that saw my reaction knew where I thought my ball was going to go <laughs> so they could understand why I reacted the way I did in the tee. I mean, it was a pretty good – the ball was going so far because it was so hot and you have the, all that adrenaline going and just the ball was going forever. And it was almost like you were clubbing down at that point. And, and especially that pin, you want to be under the hole anyway. And anytime you double cross it or pull – pull draw it I mean it's going to go farther so I really thought my ball was going to land about where it was and then it was going to kick up in the in the long rough and I literally had no chance to get up and down so I was extremely pleased to see it land on the green and then just go into the first cut and that was just a chip um yeah I was trying to get it I mean with Hideki didn't hit a very good chip and I knew that I think I was tied for the lead at that point with with the four others or something like that and I just was trying to get it around the hole. Um, I obviously was was playing to, to try to make it because it's it, you know if you I feel like if you try to make something you have a smaller target and you, you miss smaller. But it uh, it, was, it was one of those things. Once it, the hardest part was reading the lie because like I said earlier with like the chip on ten that first cut is so it's difficult to, to judge because it's 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 so short that you think it should come out fine but it's it's so grainy that sometimes it'll come out dead and. You just have to make sure you get ball first. So that's kind of was my main focus. And then once it started rolling, you know, it, it looked good. It looked good. And then it just uh, just dropped. So after that, you got a two-shot lead at this point, did did it feel different? Did you think like, all right, now I'm in charge? I mean, it was, it was a, you were near five-way tie. I think when you teed off on that hole, you were in a five-way tie. Mm-hmm. And then like everybody, a bunch of people bogeyed. And then essentially you had a two-shot lead after that. Did you know that? And did it change anything like from a nerve standpoint? Because we'll see how, how much your revisionist history gets on this tee shot on 14 that we need to discuss. Because – that was that was quite close to the hosel, if I'm going to estimate. Uh, I mean, it was it was more. It just was more of a block than it was uh, off the heel. Or uh, I just the one thing I could tell you is I know where it wasn't going to go, and that was left. And <laughs> <laughs> I've I've struggled with with that kind of knockdown shot um, in the past. But the, and to start with with what you said, yeah, I knew that I had the lead. I didn't know that it was two shots. And I, the thing about that finish is so many things can happen. I definitely didn't think like, oh, okay, this is my tournament. But, I mean, I knew that I was in control. I had the momentum. I was playing well. I felt confident. And But um, I wasn't thinking about winning the tournament yet. I was just going through what I felt like I needed to do. And, uh, you know, I, I got so pumped up there, I had to try to calm myself down and and get relaxed. And um, it's just that, yeah, that, that, that tee shot was, it was just such a bad shot. I was trying to just kind of, like, sting a – sting a four iron down there and I just got ahead of it and left the face wide open and it it's just went way to the right just, but it wasn't in a terrible spot but you did lay up on that hole all four days just want to take note of that um now let's let's advance to the 15th hole your second shot there uh you laid the sod over that one a little bit uh I'm gonna guess you're gonna say <clears> that the, the down slope had to have contributed to that I think but was that also kind of a it diff- was yeah yeah I didn't want to blame that one too much on nerves. Well, it's and so I mean, as funny as it is, you can look at my at Malaysia. I chunked it in the water. I, those downslopes, man. I I legitimately struggle with chunking it off a downslope, and I I don't know when I'm gonna 
kind of get over that. But okay, then this actually all makes sense. So in Kapalua, when I hit that eight iron on 17 and I looked like an idiot and was walking through it, as I was behind the ball, I'm thinking like, I literally can't chunk this. If I chunk this, I'm going to hit it in this ravine and I'm going to lose. So it's like, I have to do everything in my power to not chunk this. So that's why I stepped through. So maybe I should start stepping through when I get on a downslope, but Yes, I I do tend to struggle a little bit off down slopes. <laughs> don't don't take that shot at Kapalua away from me because you strutted after that one. That wasn't like yeah, a step I, through. That was a it was, saucy. It was, both. it was both. There was a twirl in there. There was a lot going on in that there one. There was. Um, so then a nice up and down on 16, 17, the shot you hit. Um, so that, that, that moment was just kind of a, why it's, it's, it's amazing. You're super lucky when you go to a golf tournament and you, you know, you pick somebody to follow, especially a Sunday of a major and it ends up being where the action is and kind of just watching you enter that theater of so many people around on 17 and hit that shot with all the things that had to be going through your mind. I mean, I hate asking like what was going through your mind, but essentially were you, was it all positive thinking at that point? It was, yeah. It was It was probably just, I don't know why, I just was in such a calm state that day. I mean, yeah, I was nervous at times. Yeah, I understood what was on the line, but it's never once was like, oh my gosh, like I have a chance to win a major or this or that. It's like, you know, like this is go out and do what we're doing. And I, um, I was really, I was drawing the ball well that week. I wasn't, I was not cutting it very well. So that, I mean, that pin was, was so tough. I just walking off 16 green, I remember looking over and I'm just like, where the hell is this pin? Like, it looks like it's in the water and I have to somehow try to make par right now. You know what I mean? So I, um, yeah, I mean, it just was, it was a shot. It was the best shot I've ever hit in my life, especially under the circumstances. And, um, you know, the thing is, is it's, it's not talked about as much if I don't make the putt. So I'm just glad I did. Well, I mean, would you call that the best, that, that, your best golf moment of your life, essentially? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's such a, such a difficult hole and such a hard hole. And it was, I was able to use and judge my adrenaline. Well, Jimmy and I both, I mean, I, I was trying to fly at 200 yards and there's no wind. And I mean, that's like the most driving range six iron you can possibly get for me. And I hit seven. I just was so pumped up and, and just so much going. And I just, I knew that I just knew that that was the right club. And, um, you know, we just had to trust it and it was, but I, what I, there's just so little margin for error in that shot when you hit seven, mm-hmm. essentially. Cause like, if you miss hit that, like a, so many things could go wrong there. That's just mm-hmm. why I was just to see that, that execution was what, you know, that's what essentially won you the tournament. Cause I mean, 18 is just going to play a lot differently if you don't have, have that extra shot lead. But yeah, and I've always, I've known that, you know, you're, that you're a popular player, but I was, I was a bit surprised at when you walked up. 18 like the 72nd hole the 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 volume of the jt chant that rang out yeah like, do you remember that did that like uh, have yeah, an effect on you or were you noticing it uh, that was one of the coolest things ever man it was i mean i've never ever in my life had an ovation like that for me and ever had anything like that chanted and i mean i i don't know why the the crowds in charlotte made me feel so special made me feel like i was from there i mean they were cheering me on so hard um but it was, I mean, it truly was, it was unbelievable. And I, I, I've never had goosebumps or the hair on the back of my neck stand up like I did then. I'd imagine, I mean, you're not going to be too particular about the situation when you win a major championship, but ideally you would have liked to have, you know, Kisner not be behind you with still technically a chance, though not really. Like you probably wanted to let out a bigger celebration than you were able to on that green. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I, um, 
I mean, literally all of my wins, I've I've made a putt inside of you know five five and a half feet. I've never made like a, a fifteen footer or anything. I've had I think four tap ins and and then like a, a three footer and a five footer. So it's like it's it's been it's been different. It's not exactly an ideal putt or, or scenario for you to let something out, but obviously with not knowing what was happening with Kisner, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like the same in Boston. It just was uh, not that I expected to do it. Not that I was like, okay, you know, this is what I came here to do, but I just was, you know, I was, I was happy. I was proud. And in, in the moment I wasn't, um, you know, it just didn't seem like the proper time or I didn't feel it in me to let anything out. Well, you did throw in a very saucy mark, put a coin on the six-inch putt, knowing that it was for the win. Like, that's, well, that's, that's. I asked Jimmy. I was like, Jimmy, what do I do? I was like, do I mark this or finish it? He goes, mark it. It's just mark it. And I went over, and he, he was like, it's just the respectful thing to do for Hideki because Hideki still had to play. He was still fighting to finish second or whatever he was going to finish. And, you know, if I putt that out, I'll get a big ovation, and, and he's got to call him off, so. I did it for Hideki. Right. <laughs> I would have advised the same for the record. But yeah, that's, yes, that's the yeah. ultimate tour sauce move there, marking a six-incher because you know it's for the win. Um, <clears throat> so after you sign your – or after you, you walk off the green, you give a big hug to your dad. Uh, do you, I mean, the, the, apparently on TV, the narrative was getting destroyed about your dad being a PGA professional. But I don't, I don't – one thing I don't think is fully covered is – is that your dad is your swing coach and that you know yeah. he's on the range with you videoing your swing and mm-hmm. is that is that that relationship has got to be just so unique in that uh to be able to trust your dad I don't know that that fatherly aspect you know the typically you know you have there's a family aspect that goes with that mm-hmm. yeah there's a golf side right so is it are you guys able to totally keep those two things separately and siloed yeah, we I think we've done a really good job the last two years of of separating the two and knowing when when it's student and father son and um and he's gotten good at it. I mean, I've gotten on to him a couple times of, you know, my dad would would just kind of not say things before I would play and he would he just would, I would get have to get on to him because it was like, you know, I'm this is why you're my coach it doesn't matter if you're my dad or you're you know whoever's going to be my coach whatever but i tell me this stuff i need you to help me and you know we're a team we're in this i get you're my dad but you're still my coach and i need i need this from you so we've gotten a lot better at that and at the same time you know we we both are are doing what we need to do for me to play my best golf and i'm you know i'm getting on him when i need to and he's getting on when i need to so it's um it's it's just been a great a great team uh teamwork that we've you know we've had so far and that uh, i mean every time i see that picture of my dad and i hugging or, or video of us off the 18th green i i it's, it's one of the few things that just really makes me smile and it just makes me so happy that we could share that together yeah that's pretty cool um all right so come after you sign your card uh, I want you to walk me through the exchange <laughs> as you're on your way to the eight, to the trophy ceremony. Yes, I I saw you and I knew that I had told you earlier in the year that I I would win a major, just didn't know which one or how many. And um, I was when I saw you, I 
with a with an expletive in there. I told you, I told you that I would win a major. So it <laughs> you was came just... strutting like Vince McMahon out of that that scores to like it was. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even, I wasn't waiting there for any particular reason, and you just came running up, and you're just like, I told you I was going to effing win a major this year. And <laughs> Porter standing next to me, his jaw just dropped. He's like, Did that seriously just happen? Because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even remember you saying that, but that was like etched, etched in your memory that you had called your shot. Well, it's not like I was thinking about it during the day or no. anything like that. I, and I, I just, I don't, I truly don't know when or how, or I think I just came out. It, and that was after I realized that I had one. And then I saw you and then I remembered that I told you and it just, it, it seemed right. <laughs> Do you have any other, you have made other predictions to me privately. Do you have any of those other that you're going to share? Um, no, I don't think so. You made one after you shot 59 that was pretty... Oh, that I would do it again? You said you were going to shoot 58. Like, you will shoot 58 in your career. I probably will. (laughs) It was a lot more authoritative when you said it. I'm sure when you... Well, I said it in a text message. You read it in whatever tone you want. (laughs) I will find that one if you want me to. It's pretty authoritative. (laughs) Your typical revisionist revisionist history there. Um, So you jetted out of town that night. Was there like a big celebration on the plane or how did that or was it kind of I, mean, I feel like in general golf celebrations end up being kind of a letdown yeah it's it's I would say it's more not that night I mean I would say the only thing that's probably that night kind of a crazy celebration would be a team event just you know I would think because it's kind of everyone unwinds and whatever but you know the thing about um the thing about when you win and and I mean I was I had a good three hours of media. I mean, I, I finished probably my round at seven o'clock. I didn't leave the golf course till 10, 1030 or so. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was, you know, sprinkling a couple, a glass of wine in here or there between, you know, stops in the media or, or a toast of champagne. And it just was like, I got done and I'm driving to the airport and I'm just like, man, I am exhausted. And, I I mean I had a Butch Harmon flew with home with us and my mom and my girlfriend and then Ricky and Allison and um and Ricky I think Ricky and Allison and my girlfriend slept and my mom just kind of sat there and I just I, I had a couple beers with Butch and we just kind of BS'd and then told some stories so it wasn't anything crazy I mean we didn't get I didn't get home to the house probably until you know one one thirty and I um and I I was so like tired but wired at the same time I just I laid in bed till like three three thirty just kind of on my phone reading stuff looking at stuff and uh you know it was I would say late in the week you know I, I was able to unwind a little bit but as in terms of the night of it wasn't much well <clears throat> did I hear you say after this week after you won the Dell that you said that you were more nervous in the final round of the Dell Technologies than you were in the PGA I, w- I was nervous in Boston the final round. I don't know, I don't know why or, or, or what caused it, but I just was. Um, I don't know it, it, the. I just I had that feeling and I had kind of the tingling going. I just I had a little bit more of that one than I did PGA, and I, I don't know if that be, is because I was that comfortable at the PGA or it's just the way it was in Boston. But uh, but yeah, that is true. I mean, does it feel different when you're in contention like now than it did like a year or two ago? Because it, it looked to me when you, like watching you play on Monday, like it was, it just felt kind of more routine and you didn't, I mean, you weren't showing the nerves at all or it didn't look any different. And it just looked like the whole thing felt really normal to you. So does it feel different to be in contention? It does. Yeah. I'm, I'm extremely comfortable. I'm, I'm, I have just a lot of confidence. I have, um, I feel that I can, I'm, 
I, I just I feel that I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get it done, whether it's go make a lot of birdies or, or get up and down or or whatever it is. And I understand it's not going to be that way my whole career. You know, there could be stretches where I don't win for a while, but I just I feel like if I can get myself there, then I feel really really comfortable and confident that I can get it done. One of the basically essentially the only main criticism I hear of you, and people, first of all, people direct this at me as if there's something I can do about this. But <laughs> I don't know if I'm curious to see if you hear about it as well. And is that your demeanor sometimes on the course and your body language, um, you know, kind of sinks sometimes? Do you, do you hear a lot of that? Do you, do you like is that a criticism that you are anything you're working on in that regard? Yeah, I mean, people. I'll just I'll read it on social media. People tell me I'm a crybaby or I whine a lot and this and that. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I yeah, I want to be a role model to kids. I want to be someone that kids look up to. But I could not care less about what some random Joe Schmo says about me that's sitting in his parents' basement, you know, tweeting about me. So I, I get it. I mean, I don't want to be out there looking like I'm a sourpuss or or complaining or whining. But I mean, I'm an emotional player. I'm, I'm fiery and. I mean, if you want to see a totally different person and, and a totally different personality out of me, then yeah, I'll show no emotion and I, I probably won't be a very fun person and, and very fun to follow, but it's just, that's my, you know, that's my character. That's who I am. I mean, you don't ask, you know, you you don't ask people to change their personality and change who they are. You know, th- there's things that they can get better at and, and I, my attitude has gotten better and I, I have, um, I have definitely, I feel like, changed and gotten more patient and and not let my emotions out as much but you know there there is a random time here and there if I do slam a club and and it's not like I'm doing that because I think it's cool or it's just this or that it, it's it's just my way of dealing with it and, and I am trying to get better at it but at the same time I'm not going to completely change who I am just to satisfy those couple people you know at home that that think um I'm some some no, or some little uh, spoiled kid, you know. That's fine. I mean, just as long as people just direct those tweets straight at JT, I'm. I don't need. I don't need to see those anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so all right, moving on to Presidents Cup. Has there been pairings talk yet? Have you guys? Is there? Is there anything going on there that you can share yet? Or what? What's- Not really. Uh, just just because you know with the team just being decided, I think it kind of let all that you know unwind, but. And also, you know, a lot of us are, are trying to are trying to finish off the season well. And I mean, I, yeah, we're going to have talks. We'll probably have a dinner here and there in, in each event. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, we'll talk about it at some point. But we're at this point, and I think Strick knows that he, we're focused on, you know, playing, finishing off the season strong and finish on the FedEx Cup strong. You know, I think we have such a strong team that you can put a lot of us with any anybody and it'll be fine. It's just of. Uh, then once the once probably Atlanta finishes up, and then once we get get to uh, to Liberty, we'll we'll have a lot more serious talks about it. I would think. I mean, if you're not pumping up the first the crowd on the first tee, coming out like in an American, just draped in the American flag. I mean, what are we even doing here? Like, what are we? What are, what's, what's all of this for? If you're not doing that on the first tee? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I know. I, I can't really top, you know, Peary coming in on the bald eagle or anything, but I'll do my best. <laughs> um, I mean, does it is it how much does it eat at you that you were not selected for the Ryder Cup team last year? And is there, are you carrying a bit more of like an extra f you? Like this is this is the the, the player I am this whole season and into this event. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm not not 
carrying the FU idea or anything around. I mean, it, it sucked. I, I hated that I wasn't a part of the team, and it, I still do. But and I felt that I could have played, but I I just at the end of the day, if I just would have played better, it wouldn't have been an issue. And I wasn't consistent enough. I didn't, you know, if I would have won one more time, or if I just would have finished a little bit better in a tournament here or there, then I would have been on the team, and I wouldn't have had to worry about it. And Ryan deserved to get picked. Um, I mean, he played great. And he, he was peaking, and he had a great Ryder Cup. So you obviously can't argue with that. And USA won. So uh, everything Captain Love did was, was awesome. And um, I just wish that I could have been a part of the team, obviously. That was a trained answer. You were you were ready for that one. That's one you've given before. But uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, last couple, then we'll let you get out of here. Um, so you're, you're essentially, I think you've more than doubled your career. You definitely have. You've more than doubled your career earnings this year alone. What – Will if you won the FedEx Cup, that ten million more, how much would that change your life, and how much has like the additional earnings this year changed your life, if at all? Um, I, you know, just a lot of little things. I mean, I it's nice to be able to treat yourself, obviously, and I, I mean, I, I'm one that I like to reward myself. I like to set goals, like okay. It's like I did in Malaysia. I was like, if my next win, I'm going to get a Range Rover. I won in Malaysia. I got myself a Range Rover. And then I had an unfinished part of my house. And then starting the year, I'm like, at my next win, I'm going to start working on that and, and build something there. And then I won in Hawaii. So that's in the process of being built. And then um, I never didn't really do anything for a major, but I did say that uh, my next win, I'm going to – I still have the first, uh, first car I got when I got my – tour car to bmw and i i told my mom my next win that i I would give her that car and i'd buy a different one so i'm (laughs) currently uh, i'll be in the search sometime soon of getting another car and giving her that one so uh, i'm not sure what i would do Uh, it's not like i've i'm out there blowing it you know that's not the cool fun answer i'm sure you're looking for but um i knew at the end of the day man it's not like we just we don't I'm sure if we had a month or two off where we could just go on crazy trips and go spend a lot of money, we may. But, man, it's when you're home for a week and you just want to do nothing but lay in bed and watch TV and then got to go get ready for the next one. You can't do a whole lot. Yeah. <clears throat> what uh, what Do you have, like, a sneaky new tour sauce move at all? I and mean, I think we've talked about your go-to sauce moves in prior podcasts, but I was wondering if you had seen any new sneaky good moves or if you've put one in the arsenal. Putting you, on this, um, putting you on the spot 45 minutes in. I know that's a tough one. This is tough. Um, not much. I mean, I pretty much have the, the standard stuff that I do. Um, I definitely – I mean, I'll, I'll always – if the ball doesn't go where I think it should, I'm pretty much surefire going to throw up some grass that the wind didn't do what I wanted <laughs> or, look, or look up at the trees because, it, once again, it is not my fault. Of course. It's somebody else's fault. Of course. And, and, that, and at that – point in time it was the wind it was yeah. the weather's fault and you've mastered the point both directions that you you hit all kinds of different angles with your wayward drive point i'm really impressed yeah, with how you've I expanded do, do that expanded your arsenal there uh very last question i promise so uh, the, apparently i made this up but the rule was that you had to win a major to come on for part three what is the rule going to be for you to uh, for you to come on part four hmm that's a tough one i've got one in mind oh well, well go ahead what is it Masters, you gotta have a green jacket. Masters, okay. Win the win the green jacket, and you can come back. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. And if you want to come back before that, that's probably okay as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> JT, appreciate the time, buddy. Uh, congrats again on the unbelievable season. Good luck finishing out, and I'll see you in Chicago next week. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. Cheers. 
All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks a ton to JT for the time. Apologies uh, on the back end here for the audio. The call connection was not great. I know I've been uh, boasting about our new technological capabilities, and sure enough, some shaky Wi-Fi. I don't know if it was my end or his end cut it off, but uh, cut, cut the quality a little bit. But I spent about four hours editing this, so hopefully it turned out okay. Uh, if you guys do get a chance, reminder to swing on by uh, the pro shop. We got a lot of things going on in the pro shop right now. Um, you'll just be if you haven't been there in a while, you might be surprised with some of the things that are up there. We're getting restocked on a bunch of polos and towels and all that stuff coming up soon as well. Lastly, swing on by the iTunes review store if, if that's what you want to call it, and uh, drop us a review if you haven't already. Um, that that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, stay tuned. Next week should have another uh, very excellent guest, at least one excellent guest for next week. Hope that all comes together, and uh, we'll see those of you out in Chicago. We'll see you out at the BMW. Cheers. We'll see you next week. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! <laughs>